Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are diving into the intriguing connection between diets and ADHD by exploring the unique quirks and strengths that come out of our ADHD brains. Join us as we uncover practical strategy to harness these quirks, such as doom piles, lack of object permanence, and analysis paralysis, and discover how they can be leveraged to our advantage. We'll also address the importance of seeking help and debunking stigmas around medication, empowering individuals with ADHD to embrace their superpowers and thrive. So two weeks ago, we did an episode on debunking some of the health myths, and I was talking to you about being a former, uh, a reformed crunchy mom, and I was talking a little bit about our story with my daughter's ADHD and kind of the issues we went through with finding medications and stuff like that. So if you want to hear more about that, I'll link to that episode in the show notes. But really, I wanted to talk about a little bit more. I got some feedback where people were like, well, what about these diets and ADHD? So I wanted to discuss I wanted to discuss that a little bit more and kind of what we found out while managing my daughter's ADHD and me eventually learning I have ADHD and kind of how we are just managing all this. And I want to be fully honest with you, this ADHD diagnosis for our family has been fairly new within the last two to three years. So we're still very much managing this. So if you have any tips and tricks, I would love to hear them as well, because we're just kind of rolling through this. Um, One of the things I will say is if you think you have ADHD or anything like that, go talk to your doctor, your therapist, look at getting treatments. If you're looking at getting a diagnosis, you will need to seek a medical professional for a diagnosis if you're thinking about going on medication. But this is really our experiences with the quirks that we found and really just allowing to open up this conversation. But this is in no means to replace a formal diagnosis, seeking medical help, and managing your treatment. This is just our own experience. So I want to really be clear in that. You know, one of the biggest things I talked about on that episode and one of the biggest regrets I had as mom is not seeking out medication for my daughter faster and thinking that it was only diet. And I was telling you, diet really can't fix ADHD, but it can help manage the symptoms. And this is what I really want to kind of go through a little bit on this. You know, one of the things we've noticed some foods cause her ADHD symptoms to be a little bit more pronounced. Sugar being one of the biggest. We know when she has a day that's a little bit higher in sugar, her ability to manage her emotions, her ability to focus, her ability to just stay on task becomes much more difficult. So on days where we know that really staying in the game, you know, we're going to really be careful of what sugars she's taking in, being mindful of the processed foods. A lot of times for her, we might utilize a little caffeine first thing in the morning to kind of zone her in. We are trying different supplements and I'm going to have an episode later on about that. I just don't really have enough to give you about the supplements. We have found, I can tell you this, magnesium spray on the bottom of the feet have been has been great for her. Um, And again, I want to specify for her. I don't know if it's going to work for everybody, but it does seem to work for her. One of the things I would say before you go on to any medication or even supplement, talk to your doctor about getting a full blood work panel just to see 
are could you be low in magnesium, vitamin D, potassium that might be making symptoms worse? So I think it's always a good idea to have a really clear look into ADHD. Now, I will tell you before she went through her ADHD um, diagnosis, one of the things they actually did, they did a full hormone thyroid uh, hormone panel on her to make sure it wasn't something else with the hormones or an autoimmune condition, things like that. So she went through a ton of blood work to eliminate everything else before we came to the ADHD diagnosis because it was important because a lot of times ADHD is underdiagnosed and overdiagnosed all at the same time. So you just want to make sure that we're getting the right treatment for the right thing and that, you know, you're not treating something with medication when it could be a vitamin deficiency. However, in that same breath, I will tell you, our pediatrician, who is, she's a DO, she is a little bit more holistic in nature. I say a little bit because she's a regular pediatric doctor. She just tends to go a little bit more on the holistic side initially. Um, One of the things she told me, because when we went there, I was thinking uh, maybe we could try a supplement, maybe we could try vitamins, maybe I'm not giving her the right vitamin. We did all the blood work, we went through all that. And, you know, her message to me was true ADHD in the initial phases is generally not controlled by a vitamin or a supplement. And I want to say initial phases because I have realized that through, you know, she has, my daughter has really worked very hard on this. You know, not only did she manage this for years without anything, so a lot of this was self-managed, which I'm sure came with a ton of trauma for her. But on top of that, you know, she has been in therapy for years. She has worked on tools. She, She has such a large toolbox of how to manage symptoms and how to work through this. So that's probably the biggest thing she has done. So I urge you again, if this is something really going to talk to a therapist and really learning how to manage those symptoms and having those tools in your toolbox, because medication is just one tool in your toolbox, same as your diet, same as your behaviors. They're all tools that you can pull on and it's really important. But you know, one of the things we started realizing, and it was actually TikTok to that got us through a lot of this is a lot of these quirks that I would always yell at her for is we realized they were just quirks, which later on with my ADHD diagnosis, I've kind of realized that, oh, those things that I was complaining about what she was doing are the same things I was doing just in a smaller scale. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So let's get back down to the ADHD diet. Let me tell you about some things that we have found that affect our symptoms. Sugar is a big one. Processed foods, um, too many high gluten carbs. And this was really interesting because early on when she was younger, she had really bad eczema when she was younger. And we thought it was a gluten allergy. Now she has been fully tested. She's not celiac. She has no problem with gluten. We've noticed like her behaviors when she had certain foods would get a little weird. And we kind of figured that was because she was gluten intolerant. She wasn't gluten intolerant. She, her digestive system, which a lot of ADHD people from what I've understood have found that their digestive system is a little bit more particular. So a lot of times they have gone on so many elimination diets trying to figure this out. So we know like days she has actually pizza because pizza tends to be very high gluten. That can be a harder day for her. She's just not going to 
feel great. So she's going to be already more irritated. The one thing that her her um, therapist has always told her, she wants to think of her emotions in a bucket. And you have all these emotions in the bucket. And at some point, your emotions start overflowing. And that's when we kind of call it like her volcano. She just starts blowing up and she can't deal with any more. So one of the things that we've been mindful of is, okay, what fills her bucket up faster? And we found that... Um, pizza, anything, pretzels, bagels, all of that, that heavy gluten content tends to fill up her emotional bucket quicker. So again, if you know she's going to have an emotional day, maybe there's a big test going on at school or there's some kind of external pressure being put on her, staying away from those high gluten foods is helpful. Same thing with sugar. That's another one. Sugar is probably, like I said, the biggest trigger. Um, certain food dyes, not too much as she's gotten older, but when she was younger, certain food dyes, red being a big one and things like that. Some th- foods we have noticed that do really well with her. She does phenomenal with kale. So w- the funny thing is we make this, I make this almost like this kale pesto and we put it on like a flatbread. So a little bit lower gluten content. We put it on a flatbread. This is how we actually do pizza. We do a kale goat cheese pizza. So we have like a flatbread or a tortilla or I forget what the bread is called, but it's basically flour and water and some salt and you make it into a dough and almost like a naan kind of a thing. And we put that down. We put uh, goat cheese. So we spread goat cheese out almost like a cream cheese. We'll spread that out. And then we put the it's blanched kale that's blanched with like olive oil, a ton of garlic, some hot pepper seeds and basil. So it's almost like a, like a kale pesto. We put that on top of it and then we put a little bit of shredded mozzarella on top and we make that into a pizza. That is probably one of the best meals for her. She she has, oh, and we put pumpkin seeds. So instead of doing, when you make pesto, you usually put pine nuts. We actually put pumpkin seeds, so a lot more uh, protein. And we put that onto the flatbread. We bake it with, a, like I said, a little mozzarella on top. And then from there, that's one of the best meals. She gets a lot of veggies, vegetables, fruits, really good. Chia seeds, hemp seeds, these foods are just really good for her. Those are her like super foods. We know these foods work the best. We actually are trying uh, Dave's Killer Bagel makes a 15, I think it's 11 or 15 grams of protein bagel. So we're actually trying that out because she's a teenager and well, bagels are life when you're a teenager. So we're trying out some different things, but you know, it's understanding what foods we know diet higher processed is a little bit more issue, issues and her issues are generally more focus and gut related and stress managing related. So we know those are some of the things that we have going on. So, you know, if you, the more whole food she eats, the more water she drinks, the better she feels. I mean, it's kind of, I, I don't want to say it's kind of a simple solution, but when you're a teenager, when you're a busy parent, whatever your struggles are in life, not all the time is eating that kind of diet easy. Sometimes we really have to think outside the box. And, you know, I will always say that if we can have foods on hand, it's so much easier. So prep once, eat a bunch of times. Like if I make vegetables one day this week, I am making a ton of vegetables. So I only have to maybe cook vegetables twice a week. And then I have vegetables all week. So it's things like that. We talked about quesadillas in the last one. Quesadillas are really big for us. Our family loves quesadillas. So a lot of times she'll even put like that kale basil, uh, kale pesto, sorry, kale pesto mix on 
a quesadilla. She'll throw some, maybe even some fresh spinach or arugula. I always have one of those, those containers of spinach and arugula. And so she'll throw that in there. Um, some chopped up onions, things like that. And again, the same thing with rice bowls and things like that. The more whole foods she can eat, the better. And I've even noticed that with myself. I've noticed myself, it's very clear that the more vegetables I eat, the more focused, the more easier I can focus. So it's really about cleaning up your diet. Any way you can clean up your diet. And I think this is one of the reasons why we've seen things like carnivore diet and keto and paleo and Whole30 take such big effects on how people feel is because they're more real food oriented but then we get into some things that it's the keto diet and it's total crap because everything is processed at this point. So, you know, it's things like that. But diet for ADHD is a tool. I don't think it's the cure. You're not going to cure your ADHD because remember, ADHD is wiring on our brain. Your kale is not rewiring your brain, right? So it's about managing those symptoms. Medication is another thing. Medication, you know, one of the things we found out with the medication is that really allowed her to see how a normal brain kind of functioned. So, you know, before you always felt good, that static in her brain, this was good. And then when static got too loud, we knew it was too much. Well, you know, when you're on that medication and that static becomes to quiet down, now your baseline for, oh, this is what a good day feels like is a little bit different. For her, the medication helped. She was on for about a year. And then, you know, the medication probably for her started getting a little too strong. She probably could have gone down a dose and been better. But she always said at the end of the day, she felt slightly nauseous. It was just like this 3.30 in the afternoon, like slight nausea feeling. And it just, it was annoying. And as she started managing her ADHD a little bit better using the tools and the diet and realizing what certain things were and acknowledging them, she didn't need the feel that nausea anymore. And that's where we started going and leaning more heavily on the other tools that she learned. But I want to really kind of say, you know, if you're on medication and you're on medication for life, awesome. Like that works for you. Whatever works for you is what you should do. You should be empowered to make your own choices. If you're afraid of going on the medication because you think it's going to be lifetime, it doesn't have to be. And that's really a conversation to have with your doctor. I highly recommend finding a good doctor and really having these questions answered and talking to them about it and seeing, okay, if I go on the medication a little bit now, what could it look like when I start coming off of it? What were some things I want to do? Having that open dialogue, because that is really, really important. So some of the things that we actually learned about when we were going through some of her quirks of ADHD. So one of the things um, are these doom piles. And, you know, and I call them doom piles because that's what's all over TikTok and Instagram. That's how we learned about them. So if you ever walked into any of my my rooms, houses, offices, wherever I was, there would always be in corners of the rooms, just piles of stuff. They weren't very big, but it was a pile. And it was just like, what is that pile there? I could tell you exactly what is in that pile. I know what is in that pile. And for some reason, in my whole life, I've always had this pile. Well, my daughter had it. And I just kind of figured she was kind of tracking off of me. We learned that these doom piles are definitely an ADHD thing. And the next thing we learned about was object permanence. So it's interesting. So my daughter, her room has always been a mess, but she's a teenager. It's kind of par for the course, right? Well, anytime I would ask her to clean her room, her room would literally be clean for like 30 minutes. 
And then it was a mess again. And it was always because I was trying to find something. And the interesting thing is, so, you know, a lot of neurotypicals, they can know an object exists without being in front of you. With a lot of those with ADHD, that's a little bit more difficult. So um, one of my daughter's thing with object permanence is that's difficult. If something's put away, she forgets she has it. And then maybe she's buying it again or, or just completely doesn't think she has it and doesn't even look for it. So I would go in and she would clean her room. She'd be at school. And I'm like, oh my God, you just cleaned this room yesterday. How is this such a mess again? Knowing that she suffers from anxiety, I was like, I'm going to clean her room because if I walk into a room that's really messy, I get really bad. I get really anxious. So I would clean her room. I would put things in her drawers. I would put things back where they were supposed to be. I would close the closet doors and she would come home and she's like, thanks for cleaning my room, mom. And I was like, doesn't it make you feel so much better? And she'd be like, actually, it makes me really anxious. I was like, why does that make you anxious? She goes, because I don't know where everything is. I said, well, you know where it is. It all, like, you know where everything goes. I didn't redesign anything. It just put it away. She goes, no, mom, I don't know where it goes. So we went out and we bought her a label maker. Okay, so just label where things are. Maybe that will help. Nah, to a point that helped. It did, I should say, it, it helped a little bit more to a point. It was like phase one of us realizing what she needed. So then I learned about object permanence and how a lot of those with ADHD suffer from that. And it's not about putting things away in things. It's about having places for things that are up off the floor, but still out in visual sight. So when I learned this, I was like, okay, so let's go out and buy open shelving. Game changer. This kid can now keep her room clean because everything is on hooks. It's on open shelving. Her closet doors, we have realized closet doors just don't get closed. She has her closet organized, but it's open. She can see everything. And that for her with the label makers and knowing that things have to be out in the open for her to remember allows her to keep her room clean, which is just, it absolutely blows my mind, even to the point where we had to put hangers in a bucket outside her closet door because when she would need to hang something up, she would look in her closet, couldn't see the hanger right away, throw it on the floor. If she knew the hangers were in the bucket, she could see them outside the closet, she would hang up the clothes. Crazy, absolutely crazy once we learned this. So as soon as we learned this, we knew, okay, how to do it. Sticky notes, we live by sticky notes. Again, right out in the open, there are sticky notes. People laugh when they go into my teen's bathroom because it'll say, hang up towels here, toothbrush goes here. There's like sticky notes everywhere. And it's because those sticky notes, she sees them and it triggers her to say, oh no, don't throw the towel on the floor. The towel goes here. And it's things like that, that we've really kind of utilized that have become a little bit better. I don't want to say it's hundred percent perfect because she is a normal teenager, but it's a little bit better. And it's things like that, that have actually helped her with her studying. Like she knows sticky notes. She needs to put sticky notes on her folders because when she takes her binder out, she needs to see those sticky notes. So sticky notes, calendar reminders. Oh my goodness. If you have ADHD, if you have a teen with ADHD or a kid with ADHD, get them using, we use a Google calendar. Google calendar, remind them, homework, water, food, whatever you have to do, set reminders. Because that's been really helpful because the phone buzzes, they feel that buzzing 
or they hear it and they'll look and remember, oh yeah, I have to do that. Because again, that memory recall for a lot of people with people with ADHD can be a little bit more difficult. So utilizing things like that are really, really helpful. You know, the other thing is we have a saying about the analysis paralysis. There is no later for ADHD, it's now or never. So a lot of times my daughter will say, oh, I'll clean my room later and I'll look at her. She goes, I know there is no later, it's now or never. And you know, and things like that, it's repeating that thing to understand that later doesn't work. And if it is later, because sometimes, you know, they're kids, they're not gonna do anything right away. Set a reminder. We have a little um, like Google things in the house. So she might tell her Google to set a reminder to do something in 15 minutes. We use things like that and it'll remind her wherever she is. So it's things like that that we can utilize technology, we can utilize sticky notes and understanding that that's a thing. I like to repeat to myself, don't put it down, put it away because I have a tendency to drop something, forget about it and come back two days later. I can't tell you the amount of times I've had to reheat up or get a new cup of coffee because I lost it somewhere in the house. If you can relate to that, I would love if you go on to Instagram and tell me that that relates to you because I can have like literally four cups of coffee laying around the house because I don't know where that is. The same thing goes for Thanksgiving in my wine glass. I at least have like three or four glasses of wine at any given time laying at various places to the point where my guests know I leave my wine glasses all around. And they're like, Laura, is this your wine glass? Because it'll be a random wine glass with like this certain charm I use and they know it's me. But it's it's interesting because it's just that kind of thing. So acknowledging that those are some of these quirks and we can utilize them to our advantage. I have to say, TikTok, Instagram have been great. You know, I highly recommend finding some ADHD pages that kind of talk to you because really finding that has been helpful. And even for going back to diet, a lot of times ADHD, it's all or nothing when it comes to kind of food. Either you eat everything or you eat nothing because you forgot to eat because forgetting to eat is a real thing. So a lot of times we'll keep snacks at various places around the house just because like I'll be sitting at my desk and my stomach will be growling and an email will come in and now my blood sugar is dropping and things like that. So it's about understanding those quirks and re working with them because I think a lot of times we look at them and it's like, oh, you know, this is really difficult to work with, but really it can be kind of fun. I mean, it's a little quirky. We laugh. Somebody told me, oh, there was this one. That's right. There was this one. Um, I think he's a chiropractor and he works heavily with people with uh, neurodivergencies and ADHD. And one of the things he started noticing is that um, a lot of the people that came to him with ADHD actually sprained their ankles a lot as a child. Now, my daughter sprained her ankles, I kid you not, one year it was constant, actually it was probably like two years, constant spraining the ankle. And we're not talking like a mild sprain, like she would literally roll her ankle in and like her ankle bone would hit the ground. I don't even know how it's possible to do that consistently. And ended up going through his Instagram, that's actually one of the things he's noticed with a lot of his ADHD patients is the rolling of the ankle and rolling it to the inside, which is kind of crazy. So it's certain quirks like that that's funny. Um, My biggest is, uh, and the, the whole family teases me for it, I cannot shut a door or a drawer or 
anything. Like if I walk in from outside, the door is never fully shut. It is mostly closed, but never completely pushed. If I'm in the kitchen, I will have cabinet doors and cabinet drawers open everywhere to the point my actually husband will walk behind me as I'm doing dishes, shutting everything or cooking. He's shutting everything. It's just, and there'll be times like I'll go in the kitchen to get something and I walk away and I look back and I'm like, fuck, really? I cannot close a door. I don't know what it is, but I think it's, it's just my brain's on to the next thing. By the time I get the object I already need and shutting the door is, well, not an option for me, I guess. But it's just funny with things like that. So now I'm being more cautious that when I get something that I'm actually closing that door um, just because it's, you know, it's one of those quirks we've realized. But I think when you start looking at those quirks and you start to embrace them and understand them, for me, I'm not going to get medication. I have dealt with this for 43 years. I, you know, mine's much lower than what my daughter is going through. So, you know, it's also understanding where you are. Not everybody needs medication, but if you feel like you need medication, there should be nothing stopping you from getting there. And if you're working with anybody that makes you feel guilty, there's always a second opinion. Just remember that. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll talk to you all next week.